I'm Krati Mehra and this is Beyond the Goals podcast. It's my attempt to help you revel in all that life has to offer without pressing pause on your hustle. We learn how to create healthier relationships, a healthier lifestyle, a career that brings us true joy and a life that satisfies us on every level. Forget the conventional ideas of success and happiness because we're going to live a life of value and create an impact that speaks to our place in the world. So let's get started. And welcome back to Beyond the Goals. I'm your host, Krati Mehra, and this is episode number 57. Today, I'm sharing with you my conversation with Dr. Christy Overstreet. She's a clinical sexologist, psychotherapist, a TEDx speaker, author, and consultant. She has published two books, Fix Yourself First, 25 Tips to Stop Ruining Your Relationships, and Fix Yourself First, Four Weeks to Improve Your Relationship as a Couple. She also has a podcast by the same name and is launching a new course next week also called Fix Yourself First. Christy has actually been on the show before. Uh, We did an episode together where we talked about building and maintaining healthy relationships and cover topics like relationship audits, signs of toxic relationships and how to avoid getting trapped into one, relationship for people with mental health issues, creating a safe space within your relationship, open and effective communication, and so much more. And frankly, I always enjoy myself whenever I get, get an opportunity to interact with Christy to put together any content with her. It's always a fun experience. And this particular conversation, the one you're going to hear today, actually happened on IG Live a while back. We talked about how women can take a more dominant role without hurting their partner or the health of their relationship, what a healthy relationship and a healthy partner looks like, how the concept of toxic masculinity impacts men and the way they treat their partner, and how we can help our partner overcome the challenge, And on the flip side, how and why women feel guilty when they prioritize themselves and how to get past that. As fun as this conversation was, I have to say it's actually a very tiny flavor of what you can learn from Christy. So if at the end of this conversation, if you find yourself wanting more, the good thing is that Christy has a lot of free resources on offer. She maintains a very active Instagram channel where she's constantly creating value, helping her followers improve and be better partners add more love and integrity to their relationship. And you can find her at Christy underscore Overstreet. But if you want a focused learning experience, as I shared, Christy is releasing a course next week, Fix Yourself First, Better You for a Better Relationship. And this course will be uh, a combination of Christy's personal experience of what worked for her. 15 plus years of experience helping individuals and couples create better relationships. The learnings offered in the Fix Yourself First podcast and the books And all of Dr. Christie's strategies, tips, and methods that she uses every day to help her clients. So if you enjoy this conversation, there is a lot of content on offer and all the links will be in the episode description. For now, let's dive into today's episode. First of all, um, how are you? Because it's been a while since we spoke and uh, it was such a blast the last time we hung out. We recorded uh, an episode for Beyond the Goals. We did an episode on healthy relationships. And we talked about communication issues, toxic uh, relationships, how to spot a toxic relationship, and so much more. It was so much fun, Christy. You are so full of knowledge. And uh, how are you? How is everything going? All is well. I'm so happy to be here. I've been looking forward to this and counting down the day. So I'm glad we get to hang out here and get to really, you know, enjoy your wisdom and what you bring to the table. You're so talented and have so much insight. So I can't wait to talk with you today. 
Thank you so much. You are as always very kind. And I have to say, like, I've been shifting my focus to uh, women, like helping them uh, more, you know, feel empowered in relationships. But I know you are the expert where relationships are concerned. You have dealt with so many cases already. So I know you're going to be able to give me wisdom that, you know, people who DM me, people who reach out to me are going to find so much more useful than something someone who is not uh, totally focused on relationships can share. So I'm so, so very excited about that. And today we're going to talk about how women, uh, we're going to focus on women, but we can, we're going to really talk about how you can maintain your autonomy, your individuality, even as you nurture a healthy relationship, even as you give all of yourself to a relationship, you still maintain your autonomy and do not compromise your own needs. So can we start with like the most basic question that a lot of people don't quite understand, which is what does a healthy relationship look like? What does a healthy partner look like? Well, this is my interpretation of a healthy relationship, a healthy partner. And this comes from my own personal journey, as well as my clinical work that I've done in the 15 plus years. Really what we break it down to is what does healthy mean? And what means healthy for me might mean totally different healthy for you. So when we look at healthy is, am I getting my needs met? Am I meeting my partner's needs? Are we enjoying our relationship with one another more days than not? And I say more days than not because none of us enjoy our relationship 24 seven because that's really unrealistic. So for a healthy relationship, both people have to get their needs met more days than not, be able to communicate, have a sense of safety and security, and very importantly, have intimacy. And intimacy is connection, and there's all kind of different types of intimacies. But that's what keeps it healthy, is how we handle issues that come up, how we talk with one another when we're maybe not feeling real good, and what we're doing and bringing to the table, because it takes both people being their healthiest self more days than not. Yeah. Yeah. But as you said, like issues are part of every relationship. But do you think like one issue that a lot of especially a lot of women face is um, maneuvering things in a way so that they don't end up hurting their partner's ego? Like if they earn more, if they are more for social success, they constantly have to worry about how it's impacting their partner so much so that they're not able to enjoy, uh, you know, everything that they're achieving in their life. So do you think like that is a valid issue or do you think that there is a gro some growth to be done on the part of the male partner? Like, what do you, do you think that's like a valid <laughs> issue? Do you think that, yeah, or, totally and also does. like, yes, yes, please go ahead. I was like, yeah, it absolutely comes up. And I would just say that there's work to be done by both partners, right? Whoever is the one that feels like they're doing more and they're watching out and worrying. I mean, kudos for the person caring about how it affects their partner. Good. I want you to be empathetic. I want you to be understanding. I want you to, you know, be healthy in that relationship. And if your social success or your professional success maybe outshines them, I hope you're in a healthy relationship where your partner's like, way to go, babe. You're doing awesome. I am proud of you. If their insecurities getting triggered, that's normal, right? We all have different insecurities. We have different experiences and different paths. So, if it's bothering them, let's just say that you're doing better than them in these ways, what a great opportunity to have a conversation. And that's what we look at in a healthy relationship. Can you communicate about those hard things? When there's problems, how do you handle those? And it doesn't mean you have to handle it perfectly or know exactly what to say. You just got to show up, be willing to collaborate with one another. 
because it's not abnormal that one partner is going to feel that the other partner is maybe doing better than them. But like, what do you do with it? Because if you start making it a big issue to where you're getting resentful, maybe you're picking fights, maybe your own insecurities getting triggered and you're causing problems. Well, it's going to go back to you being responsible. So if we're both willing to look at ourselves and say, what can I do or did what I say or do help or hurt the relationship? You're going to continue to grow because when one partner is more successful than the other, it can be difficult to maneuver, but it's really about what kind of relationship both of them want to uh, want to create and then maintain. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But considering all of the clients that you deal with, do you meet people who have this issue? But I'm sure that, as you said, there are couples who have this issue. But do you ever like meet couples where the women are allowed to assume a dominant uh, role in the relationship? not just emotionally, but sexually, they're allowed to, um, you know, lead in a relationship when it comes to making financial decisions and all, all those sorts of things. Absolutely. It happens all the time. And I think what the way we want to look at it is who's got the strength in the certain areas? Let's say she is better with organization and doing the budgeting or the bills and maintaining the financial part of the household. Maybe she's really good as well at planning the social things or parents and the kids or keeping the family together. And maybe the other partner isn't as great at that. That's not their strength. If we both in that relationship say, where are our strengths and maybe where are our weaknesses or that I don't enjoy doing as much as. So a lot of times it is this woman that steps up who's, I kind of say, the cruise ship director, right? She's holding it all together. She's keeping all those plates spinning. And a supportive partner would say, Thank you for all you do. What can I do to help and support you? I appreciate everything you're doing. I'm not threatened by your dominance because this is not about a competition between the two of us. This is what do we need to do to have our healthiest relationship? And maybe that partner also says, man, I'm really grateful. I have somebody that can leave. And then my maybe masculinity isn't threatened by having this dominant woman in my life. It's more common than you might realize. Wow, that's that's awesome to hear because I talk to a lot of women like my focus is on empowering people. So I often very often talk to people who need to be reminded that it's okay, you know, if you do this and not let your partner take the lead here because you are better at this and maybe you will it will benefit your not just your partnership but your life, you know, in its entirety. And so I don't get to see that very often. So this is very heartening to know that there are a lot of couples like that out there who are letting their women take the lead. And But I have to ask, you are saying that these partners are very supportive. Do you, are they supportive from the get-go? Or is there like a conversation that needs to be had at those points where they need to be soothed, where they need to be reassured? And especially when it comes to sex, like that, that's something that always makes me wonder. Yeah, well, that's a great question because not every person that has a dominant female in their life has started saying, okay, I'm super supportive. They've had to work through maybe their own insecurities around maybe yeah. they see, hey, my weakness is organization, my weakness is here, let me let her step up and do this, or let me join together while she steps up. Now, if we pivot over to sexually and we look at physical intimacy, when you have a woman that's in a dominant position, there are a lot of partners that really want their woman to dominate. Sometimes it might be because their partner is having to do all the domination in all the other areas of their life and hold right. it together. So right. it's nice to release that pressure that they have to be that dominant lead sexually. 
And it can also be a really great fantasy for partners to have one of the, the female partner to be dominant so that they can be almost overtaken and released and to be able to really enjoy themselves. And then sometimes, you know, we have a relationship where there's a woman that's like, I want to be more dominant and I want to start in the bedroom. And it's really common that she might feel shy or a little embarrassed or not sure what to do. And so what partners can do in that situation is share her own, support her and, and really see, like, what can I do to help you feel more comfortable? Compliments and a lot of good kudos goes a long way, especially when it comes to our sexual self-esteem. But I think it's safe to assume that if the rest of your relationship is not like, do you ever resolve issues like serious issues in the bedroom or is that never an option? <laughs> Actually, that's really good if you think about it, because there are some things that can be solved in the bedroom. Some t couples will say we have great makeup sex, right, where maybe we had an argument right. and then. You have sex and then just that this release of energy and tension and this connectedness, which is that intimacy going way up. Therefore, the trust kind of goes back up, too, because they're in tandem. So in that way, things can be resolved. The problem is if you don't have that ability to communicate and connect and most importantly, say, I'm sorry and I'm willing to be accountable. Issues are not going to get resolved, whether you're in the bedroom or outside of the bedroom, because I think the hardest thing for us to do, regardless of how long we've been in relationships, is to be vulnerable. It's so hard to be right. vulnerable and to say, hey, I'm sorry, or I screwed that up, or hey, I said that wrong, because depending on our relationship history, we could have been with partners who said, you're right, you're always wrong, or I knew I was right, and you're always wrong. Maybe if you're, if you're, um, if you're come at with this really negative way, it can make it even harder to be vulnerable. And Let's face it, most of us want to be right, and it's hard to say when we're wrong. What comes in a healthy relationship when you can be vulnerable and then you not get hurt back in the process, it's going to make you feel more comfortable the next time to be vulnerable and then to say, I'm sorry, again, if something happens. Therefore, again, that trust goes up. Therefore, the intimacy and connection is in tandem. And most of us want better intimacy and connection. Yeah. That is so true. Like if somebody is vulnerable with you, you need to show respect for that. You need to give them space to breathe and you need to make sure that they feel that they walk away from that conversation feeling cherished for what they just did, valued and you know, you giving them a sense of gratitude for what they just did instead of making them feel ashamed, especially where men are concerned, considering all the concepts of toxic masculinity that crowd their life. It is very important that they have this idea that they can cry, they can show their vulnerability without feeling judged or without feeling exposed so that they feel welcome to do it again. And thank you so much for sharing that. I think it's so important to point that out. I think sometimes, even though like I focus a lot on women and I am always so reassuring in my content to them, I think it also needs to be said that men also need this reassurance because they feel pressured to be the stronger one in the relationship. Sometimes the fact that they're not letting you lead is it's not just them doing that to you, it's because they feel like that is their role. Like society is constantly telling them to play that role. So yeah, maybe perhaps if they were reassured on that point, they'll do better. Thank you I, so much for sharing I, that. I'm so glad you said that because I don't think we do enough of that for men in general. First of all, we don't talk enough about men and mental health and their confidence. We just make this assumption sometimes, that, oh, well, men, they, they got it easy, they got it all together. And they really don't. And I think the more we can you know, give that gratitude if there's a man in your life that you really appreciate and build him up, he's going to want to please you more and more. And men are so at times thirsty for that gratitude, awareness and prioritization that I think they get ignored a lot of times. So 
you're doing it authentically and genuinely. You're not placating or just trying to sugarcoat it for them to make them feel better. Like you're really grateful for how they show up, whether it's a romantic partner, maybe it's a friendship or a family member. It doesn't matter who it is. Showing that gratitude will definitely help them feel better about what they're doing and help them say, hey, I don't have to carry it all myself. I don't have to be the strong one. I want to collaborate with you, whether it's a friend or a partner, so that we can do this together versus one person feeling so pressured to hold it all together. That's so true. And we have to remember it's a reciprocal. All relationships are built on reciprocity. So perhaps if nothing is making sense to you, just treat them how you would want to be treated and just take it from that point forward. Uh, but if like for women who are feeling sort of um, isolated, lonely, challenged when it comes to taking care of their own selves, do you think it's ever okay? Like if you, a lot of women tell me that my relationship is in its infant stage. We're just building this relationship. So it's okay if I ignore myself for a while. But what I think, this is my perspective, and I want you to tell me if I'm wrong here. My perspective is that if you're building the relationship, you're also setting a foundation and you're also letting your partner know how you expect to be treated in this relationship. So if you start, you know, you are going to, what you're going to allow is what is going to continue. So if you let them believe that this is okay, perhaps they will continue to treat you that way for the rest of that relationship. And someday when you tell them not to do it, they probably won't understand why you've changed suddenly because then it would be on you. So uh, what do you think about that? Do you think it's ever okay to sideline your own needs and focus on the relationship? Or is there like a better way to do things? Well, I would say it's a balance because you can't, like you said, you're 100% you're correct that you can't sideline your needs because later on it'll come up like, wait a minute, the relationship's changing. You said it wasn't important. So were you being honest for me from the start? But what you can do is, is say that there, there is a place for both of your needs. And a relationship isn't, let's just say, 50-50, meaning you're giving 50, they're giving 50. You're giving 50. Sometimes you're giving 60, they're giving 40. And that's built on trust that there's going to be a time where they're going to give 70 and you may only be able to show up for 30%. So this give and take, it doesn't have to be equal all the time as long as you're building towards something and that you feel, again, more days than not, that you're getting your needs met. And what most women struggle with is they don't even know where to start when it comes to their needs. They're so busy taking care of everybody else around them because it's what we do, right? We take care of everyone and put everyone else's needs in front of our own. A lot of women, not all women. And then that makes us stop and say, well, when's it going to be the time for me? There's not some magical, you know, alarm that goes off and says, all right, Dr. Christy, it's time to look at your needs. Like, I'm responsible for that. And when women don't look at what they need just as a whole person throughout their life, they start getting resentful. And this anger that they feel about not being listened to or cared about or prioritized, they turn it inward. And then they stuff and stack and stuff and stack to where this resentment is anger turned inward and it starts leaking out. Maybe it's self-sabotage behavior. Maybe it's arguments. Maybe it's passive aggressive behavior. Maybe it's apathy and depression and anxiety. Like different ways it can definitely come out. So it's so crucial that we say, what are my needs as a whole person, the different parts of my identities of myself? And we're doing that and we're saying, what do I need to get closer to that? What do I need to do to listen to what my needs are? We can do that as well as show up for our partners at the same time while they're letting us know their needs. We don't have to turn off one to serve the other. It's done in a balance. And I say balance isn't 50-50. 
but it's going to look the same more days than not. Yeah. So would it be okay for me to say that if you notice that your relationship is at a critical point and there is like some delicate dance to be done at this point because you want this partner to be to stay in your life, then at that point perhaps it's okay for a little while to sideline some of your needs and focus on the relationship, but once you're out of that critical phase, you make sure that you're doing the healthy thing and communicating your own needs and prioritizing them as they deserve to be prioritized. Would that be okay? It would be okay if we can take the word phase and say we're not looking at a period of days or weeks or months. It might be a couple of minutes. It might be a day. I want everyone to really hear that this is so individualized from individual to individual that we're not talking about a start, stop, and own off. We're talking about, like you said, this dance where you, you can show up for another person wholeheartedly and help them with what they need and then take a look at your own as well. Because we don't do a lot of things in those absolutes as the black and white or all or nothing. And so as long as we approach it that way, absolutely. That makes sense. And um, like we, like you mentioned that, you know, women have such a hard time even considering the idea that they are just as important as everyone else in their life. So why do you think that keeps happening? Like there is so much talk about uh, self-care for women. There is so much talk about women taking better care of their health, mothers taking better care of their health, and wives taking better care of their body, better care of their uh, social life so that they can show up in a better, healthier way. But despite that, they continue to constantly feel this awesome, like this huge weight of guilt every time they prioritize themselves. Why do you think that keeps happening? And is there something they can do to talk themselves off that ledge, of that emotional ledge and remind themselves of what's important? I think it's, we've made that common. It's just kind of a cliche that, you know, a lot of women take care of everybody else around them and that there's guilt if you do something for yourself. This whole idea of self-care, it's just almost like a luxury for so many women versus yeah. what do I need to do for me today? Why can't I just say, what do I need to do for me today versus having to label it a certain way or having to get a gift box for it or take time for myself? Why can't I just say, like, is there something I can do to make me feel better, even if it's only a couple of minutes today? And we're not used to looking at ourselves because of the prioritization of everyone else. A lot of times, not always, but women are um, kind of a lead role in a lot of family systems. They're the emotional ones. They're the nurturers. They're the ones that show up to take care of the problems that happen. Um, they're the feeders, right? We feed everybody, right? We want to take care and, and hold it all together. And for that being said, it makes it really easy to take what we need and put to the side and say, it, there'll be another time. Sure, I'm doing this, but there'll be another time because so many other things feel a lot more urgent than they really are. And this, might, this is not a popular opinion, but it's because we let it happen. This isn't a society issue. We have, as an individual and as a woman, I'm responsible for how I'm showing up. I can't blame anybody else because no one, uh, with the freedom I have, no one is making me do something that I don't want to do. No one is threatening my life to say, you got to take care of everybody else. You have to sacrifice your needs. You have to put everybody else. No, that's me and my stuff. And that's why this idea, if we say, what do I need to do for me to take care of me so that I can show up better in my relationships is so important. That's where this accountability is self. This is where we say, we don't have to wait on anyone else to change. We can be the ones that change within, then everything else will get better. Or we'll start seeing some relationships that we're going to have to do something different in. And that is scary as heck, because 
If I have to back away from a relationship or end a toxic friendship, what are they going to think about me? What are they going to say about me? And what does this mean about me? But as soon as we're willing to take that risk and tackle that fear, things will get better. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think it needs to be said that you don't have to either be like a fierce boss lady or you can be the soft, sweet nurturer. I think there you can be both. You can be both depending on where it is that what it is that you're dealing with, where you're showing up, and you can just take on whatever persona suits that moment best. It doesn't have to be one or the other. And I also want to say, and I think you'll support me on this, that if you spell out your need, you're not selfish, you're not a shrew. If you're prioritizing yourself and sitting people down and letting them know, hello, I feel abused, please stop. You're not a shrew. You're not a selfish person. In fact, you're doing a healthy thing. And this is what you're teaching everyone else so that they can perhaps do better when they show up or other people. So I think that also needs to be pointed out. And everything that you've shared, I think that is so important. And these are like pointers that people can remember. But I have to ask, like last time you shared so many incredible points with me when it comes to communication. But do you think there is for women who have never bothered to communicate this stuff, but as you said, that resentment starts to build up and they're feeling that heat, they're feeling that anger like pumping through them now. How do they, in a calm, relaxed way, initiate that conversation and what are some of the communication tricks that they can use so that the communication doesn't spiral out of control and they can say what needs to be said and have the message reach the person that it's intended for. Well, start with making sure you feel safe. I mean, obviously emotionally yeah. safe, but then also in a safe environment. Like if you're in an abusive, physical abuse and emotional abusive relationship, it's really hard to speak up about your needs. I get that. And I understand that. And please know each individual listen to this. You've got to do to make sure you take care of yourself and stay safe. If you do have a partner, it's like, sure, I'll listen. What's going on? Let them know, hey, you know, I have a really hard, I'm going to really struggle to say this, but I need to say it because I owe you honesty. So if we invite, like put an invitation out there. I want to talk to you about something that's going to be really hard for me. Would you just be open to listening? Versus what I hate is when someone says, we need to talk. I hate, I hate that, that communication because <laughs> right, right. I have so many partners like, oh my gosh, they were shut down before I even started because I came in talking about we needed to, nobody wants to hear that. So by saying, hey, I've got to talk with you about something, it's going to be hard for me. And I just want to know if you'd be open to listening. That's the best shot we have at our partner show up and up saying, okay, what's going on? Then say, I might even kind of botch this or this might not come out real clear, but I get really upset when you you say when you call me a name or when you say something about my family it, it hurts my feelings and i need to let you know that because i need to be honest with you and if you notice i'm using obviously i statements that can also feel like a cliche but they work but saying i need to be honest with you because you are trying to be honest and your partner deserves to know that honesty so let's say that you're putting that out there and you've got a partner that comes back and is like hey that's your issue not mine you can say I'm really sorry you feel that way, but I thought I could tell you this and you would listen. Maybe we'll talk about it later if you're not open to it. And then they may say, oh, okay, we can keep talking. Or they may say, fine, that's it. And that's a bigger red flag. Because if you're in a relationship with someone who's right. struggling to hold space, and when I talk about holding space, I mean that invisible space between you and your partner where you can say, as well as they can say, and, and, and put things out there without being attacked without being shut down and without being ignored. We want to hold that space so that we can have these conversations and both be heard. So the biggest communication tip is 
when it starts to spiral because we all gonna have them conversations that are gonna spiral real quick because we've got triggers and we have insecurities and we all have a past of things that happen in relationships. So if it starts cycling right to where it's feeling a little out of control and you just know that neither one of you are listening and your partner's not listening to you, it's okay to say, I'm gonna stop. We need to take a break or we're gonna talk about this later. I can't do this anymore. I need to go take a walk. Remove yourself from the situation if it's right. safe to do so, because that automatically will stop it. Now, it doesn't mean you got to cycle back and come handle it 10 minutes later. It might be later on, but it's okay to tell your partner, I want to talk about this later, but I can't do it right now. Will you be open some other time? So then you who stopped that conversation is also kind of given a plug to say, hey, we're going to do this a little bit later. And so that's just a couple of tips on communication that can at least get you started. Yeah, that's awesome. But I, I have one question here. Like for, as I said, if we are addressing women who have been ignoring themselves in a relationship for years, years, they probably have like issues and issues and issues built up. So in those cases, do you think it's better to like prioritize your issues and handle what needs to be handled right away in that first conversation? Because this is probably the first time you're even letting the other person know, hello, I have needs too. And secondly, do you think it's better for people like that to do it in the company of a coach or a therapist? Well, the first part of the question is, obviously you can't take it all on at once. And we all have like these hundred different issues, right? But yeah. I want you yeah. to think about seeing every single issue, problem, concern you have that you've been stuffing down and holding for so long as all, all being housed under the idea of trust. Because every right. issue right. we deal with can go back to trust in some way. Absolutely. And so when you think about it like that, it can make say, hmm, all right, well, this issue that just happened, maybe I can just talk about this. And maybe I can say, this triggered some trust issues for me, and here's why. That kind of gives you that gate to think, okay, how do I prioritize these 20 different problems that we've never talked about to saying, how does this relate to trust? And keep in mind, I keep going back to this, because when the trust goes up, the intimacy and connection is in tandem with it. They go up and down. Because when trust goes down, so does intimacy connection. So taking it on like that from the lens of trust is where I would suggest starting. And knowing that you don't have to have it all figured out before you start the conversation, just jump in there and start. There's no perfect way to have it. The second part of doing it in front of a coach or a therapist, is it helpful? I mean, it can't hurt, right? Because if you've got someone that's a third party to help maybe stop one of you, if you're kind of starting to cycle or say, hey, I didn't hear that, can you say that again? Or, hey, did you hear that? what they said over here? That's helpful, but it's not a requirement. Don't think that you have to be in front of a coach or a therapist or a third party to be able to talk. If you're struggling to even voice it, try writing a letter. And you're a writer and author, so you know how, how impactful it is to write. And you can do it from the standpoint of, I'm just going to write this letter for me, my eyes only, dear partner, and then you know put it out, whatever you would love to say to them. Don't hold back because what you're putting down there first isn't even for them. It's for you. So dump out all that stuff first. And then that might actually help take care of one or two things and help you process a little bit better. And then if you found that helpful, maybe consider writing your partner a letter. When you write it down right. for them to see, then you've got two options. You can say, hey, partner, can I share this with you? I'm going to find it easier to read it. Or you may just say, hey, can you read this and we talk about it? Because that's going to help you feel a little bit more in control because if you stuffed all this stuff down and not talked before with your partner about this stuff, it can feel really out of control and a lot of uncertainty. But having that letter can kind of help you feel a little bit safer going in that conversation. Yeah, that letter could be that like a referee 
in that conversation, perhaps if you need yes. one in a support system as well. So that was the amazing Dr. Christy Overstreet. And before I sign off, I just want to share one little thing. If you paid attention, you will realize that in this conversation, what stands out is that for us to enjoy a functioning, healthy, happy relationship, we must constantly work on ourselves as well and not just on the relationship. Because sometimes your relationship takes a hit, not because there isn't enough love or investment, but because perhaps there is some work we need to do on ourselves. So I encourage you to explore that idea, explore yourself, your emotions, your mental space, your stories, your narrative, and do it with your partner and independently as well. And if you do come across some challenging aspects, be glad about it because it's something tangible for you to focus on. And if you need help, reach out to Dr. Christy Overstreet and explore all the resources she offers. You will find all the links you need in the episode description. If you want to dive into similar content, you can go to my website, kratimehra.com, and there's a whole bunch of resources for you to explore. That's it for today. Now I'll be back next week. Till then, please do take care of yourself.